Zells, as always, thanks for tuning in. This is episode three of Board of Directors Podcast. I actually get tossed in the hot seat on this one and get asked a few questions by owner of Bliss Experience, Jessup Sandoval, and we go over a few things about the creative space, what continues to drive him in that space, and what it's like to bootstrap as a creative. We also get into some fun technologies that help you guys ramp up your business early. And as always, DM me with questions, email me. You guys can get a hold of us anywhere. And thanks again for listening. I hope I can look back at this content when I'm like a movie star. Like, remember that dumbass time I was just chilling in front of a fire, shooting shit with a back disc bulged out? <laughs> do, you, do you know how much, like, footage I have of me that I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that hasn't seen the light of day? I know. Dude, are people in your space, like, all trying to be Casey Neistat? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, as far as vlogs, yeah. I don't know, because he, he does a bit of everything, right? Because he um, does everything from photo film to... Because I know he just directed, like, a Sean Mendes film. And then he has his vlogs, and then he does, like... He, like, tests out products, like, tech stuff and skateboards. And, I mean, is in the world of, like, YouTube, is that what creators are striving towards? Is what Casey Neistat's accomplished? Or is he kind of, like, this false idol, and you guys are, like, just trying to do your own thing? So... I think Casey Neistat is a great example. I mean, he took vlogs and just documenting your life mm-hmm. and made it into a career, basically. But for me, I, I don't know about what other people's intentions mm-hmm. are. I know that I get a ton of fulfillment. So, like, I've done videos that are, you know, uh, commercial videos or for other businesses, and then I've done a ton of vlogs with just me and Creasy. Mm-hmm. And I know personally, I get so much fulfillment out of that. And the fact that I could go back and look at my life and it's That's, like a scrapbook. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, it's like nostalgic, right? Yeah. Okay. And so for me personally, I just love doing it. If I can turn it into a career somehow, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's the pivot point there? Because what I've learned in doing the podcast and then, you know, all the experiments with business I've tried over the last couple of years is like the ability to affiliate is pretty easy. Like the barrier to entry is not high at all. And a lot of businesses are really willing to like kind of go to bed with you when it comes to like the content you create because it lines up with their values. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess one is going to be obviously you need audience size and exposure. Yeah. Um, and then two, it's, I guess it's just kind of trial and error, right? Like you're just trying to see what hits. And then when that one thing hits, you're like, all right, since that went viral, let's like try and keep that train going. Or is it just keep cranking shit out? Um, well, I think one thing that people assume is like, they have a lot of big numbers that they're going to make a lot of money off of the influence, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you affiliate with somebody doesn't matter if you have 20,000 followers if you don't really have influence over them because the influence part of it is like do people actually care Mm. are people invested so when like for me I my whole goal in making content is like can I build a community of people 
that I am providing value to them and I don't want to necessarily yes I want to make a business off of just creating content I the podcasts have a sponsorship on them from the influence or what's the the I can't remember who the sponsor is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, probably cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> it plays at the beginning of them. There so, uh, but I've never used it, so I don't know. Like they're just using the potential. So what's interesting is that, and I'm I'm assuming you have looked into this. There's like the cost per milli, which is cost per thousand. So they're basically paying. It's just like putting up a billboard. They're paying. For the the, um, the listenership, like how many views? It right, yep. they it may not align necessarily. So then, when you when you have an influence and you can prove, like, look, so Tim Ferriss, for example, when Four Sigmatic aligned with Tim Ferriss and their in his podcast, they sold out of their product like rapidly. Yeah. That was a good investment for them. So, so he can charge a premium because. Obviously. So I guess. Given the space you operate in, one thing I think needs better def like needs more definition around yeah. is what what is an influencer because if you have twenty thousand people following you, you're clearly influencing them, right? And so I think what I'm trying to figure out is is where are these influencers having hangups when it comes to monetizing what they're doing because to line up other products and services that have matured in markets and have gained loyalty is pretty easy given the cost to barrier, which is nothing. And so my thought is, you know, with like that clothing brand we know is, so why aren't we immediately lining up with people that are already talking that sentence instead of trying to rewrite a new sentence? And I feel that's where creators are trying they're always trying to find the new new the tough thing I think about creation originality is so beautiful and I just had this like crazy thought the other day I was like oh you like nothing's original anymore it's like no like literally every step you take is original because it's the first of its kind like it'll never be replicated right every step we take so as creators that idea I don't think should be forcing your work to be different I think just by doing, you are doing something original. And it doesn't have to be like breakdancing on the L train in Brooklyn or like pop locking and dropping it at the Bozeman Hawks like basketball games. I think it just literally needs to be persistence regardless of outcome. And like that's some Gary Vee shit probably, but I just see too many creatives get lost in this mindset that if I'm not monetizing this and trying to come up with that unicorn of an idea, then this isn't worth it. But I think something that creatives forget is you have to feed yourself before you can create. Like, why not make sure that bank account and balance sheet is beautiful before you go and create? Because if you're not, you're just living in a mindset of scarcity that is also hindering your creative abilities. And so I employ all creatives out there, secure your uh, residual income, and maybe that's one client but then allow those shoulder hours to be creative time, which is like cranking out new content, lining up affiliations, being a CEO and an artist. And it's really hard, man, because that space is, you hear so many conf- conflicting viewpoints. So, and I, I go kind of uh, both ways. I'm on the fence with some of that. Um, one thing 
as a creative and, and somebody who has coached creatives and how like to push their creativity, um, I really think that the creative ability is pushed on constraints. So sometimes you'll see the most creative things come from somebody when they're they have to. Yeah, but I, I that's I would not say that's a healthy mindset to live in because I was I procrastinated through high school and college and it got me a 3.0 but it didn't make me a valedictorian like <coughs> that's great like our, our mind like our monkey brain loves procrastination and it oftentimes can bear some of the most beautiful fruit out there but to stay ahead of the curve and to not allow yourself to, to reach those moments is where I think true creativity stems when your ability to pay your bills and provide for your overhead is taken care of I mean the world's your oyster I've done that from an entrepreneurial point of view as long as I have one to two retainers a month um, and it's not much it's like 2k it's enough to pay and feed me and get me to the places I need to yeah. I can continue to come up and create ideas because we live in the age of information where I can begin a business for 99 cents and I can be on Instagram for free and I can market and drop ship and I can do this that and the other thing while all knowing that my overhead's taken care of. And so I think, you know, when when I began to build out the board of directors podcast and the Gazelle Group, it's really just making sure that, and this is explicit, but I always say, you know, as long as you can eat shit and masturbate on your own terms, um, the world is open to you. And when we confine ourselves to this mental landscape of scarcity, it's really hard to even think about your next project, let alone like what the next two years looks like because you're in survival mode. When you can really clear that, that plate and take care of your overhead and treat yourself as a business, I think that's where we begin to see the owners separate from the operators. Because an owner, I believe, is someone that's able to step back, see the macro vision that they've stepped forward with, and then allow the operators that they get, that they delegate to to truly make their vision come together. But by delegating, they're freeing that mental real estate to allow to create because they're eating, you know, their family's taken care of, they maybe redefined work for themselves to allow this four hour work week to take shape. But we shouldn't as entrepreneurs have this like begging urge to survive. Like hustle porn is not a healthy mentality um, don't drop everything and go do this or that. It's like, no, be very practical. Have some pragmatic steps in which, in milestones you, you make in order to take a next step. And then if it doesn't work, don't hold any shame or guilt. Let it go. Like, we as business men that operate in the creative space, it's experimentation every day. It's trial and error. And I think, I mean, this year alone, I've had a dozen opportunities come up and fall through. And I... And I see each one as a stepping stone and a learning opportunity, but along that way, I've been able to feed myself. And so I've been able to continue to create ideas that allow me to move forward in my career as an entrepreneur. Um, but the creative space is hard, man. I mean, I brought up that question about Casey Neistat because he has really done a great job with what he's created. And to see him now monetize it, right? Like to see him truly be explicit with his partnership with Samsung and Google, and to see Studio 368 really take shape in Brooklyn, it's fun. But I mean, that journey cost him, what, 15 years? It's not like that shit happened overnight. And I think that's, you know, 
Picasso really didn't get recognition until he was dead. You know, I don't think creators need to be seen until, until when they're dead. I think they should be seen when they right. can be. And if that, you know, means funding your own journey and, you know, creating pillars of residual revenue that allow growth, then you can continue to create and be free. And I, I think that's what I want to educate creatives on is like, take care of yourself above your art because the two intertwine more than you think. And I don't think artists really think like that all the time. I think they're like painting before food. That's really cool, man. I love your passion, but you're actually hurting your creative process by doing that. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I'm an artist as well, but I, I don't like being in a position like that ever. And I've been there a couple times. And ever since, it's like I'm not going backwards. If it's a part-time job at a gas station, in order to fund my ideas moving forward as an entrepreneur, then that's what I'll do. But that's what I've defined myself as, as an entrepreneur. Like I put black and white lines around that a couple of years ago, and now I have no shame in doing whatever it takes to make that happen. So. That was so much. Do, do you think, um, one thing that I have been kind of noticing and, and trying to understand myself is do you think that it's possible that different paths are uh, for different people? So yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm not going to preach to my brother to go to college every day because it's a decision he has to make on his own. Um, just like, you know, if Creasy's out cutting, well, you're probably watching him a little more if he's cutting firewood, but, you know, say he's cutting firewood without safety glasses on. You're, you know, you told him once, he didn't listen, and then he goes back outside without safety glasses on and gets a, you know, sliver right in his eyelid. He learned that mistake on his own. That's his journey, and right. I have nothing but respect for it. A lot of people embellish this point of view of judgment versus respect, and to judge someone journey, someone's journey is to really put a negative spin on where they're at right now. To respect someone's journey is to really give gratitude towards what they've learned up until now and what they'll learn moving forward. I can't, like, as the COO interim for a couple companies, I can't step in and expect them all to know where I'm at right in this given moment. It doesn't work like that because their struggles and hardships to get up to this point in their entrepreneurial journey may mirror or mimic some of mine, but they're all unique and original in their own ways. What we can do, though, is I think mentor along the pillars of success, right? Just like all of our mentors do. They look at common denominators amongst everybody, and they go, this is something that could enhance your journey. Yoga and meditation, healthy eating, uh, five solid habits. Like Those are not things that are profoundly new original ideas. Right. They're actually well-practiced, and so we can look at successful people and gauge now, when it comes to like you doing that as a creative versus me doing that as someone saying like the cattle industry, your 5 a.m. is going to be different than mine. And that's obvious. So I'm not going to try and curtail anybody's, um, you know, when we go to strategize like what it looks like for you to grow as a business and think that it's going to line up exactly with mine. That'd be very ignorant. I think what we can do though is again go back to those pillars and go, what? Has someone in your shoes done that is successful that we can mimic in order to expedite your success? And so we look at Casey Neistat and we go, what did he do? What year did he change to go from someone living in a mobile home towards someone buying a penthouse off Central Park in New York? 
and there was probably a six month period where he took on one project that connected him to one person that allowed his journey and trajectory to completely alter. And we can mimic that. We literally can. You know, I'm in the business of, of brokering deals. And so I find companies that are either um, very green in their craft or industry or somewhat solidified in what they're doing. And we try and find companies that have done it better, mirror mimic that process according to their product or service, and just match because the marketplace is only limited by our mindset and the internet's given us the ability to reach millions in a second. So if someone's already done it, why try and redo the wheel? There's no sense. You know, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room because Google replaced everybody a while ago. Um, so, you know, we have this project in Three Forks and half of our day was researching competitors just to be able to look at how they've laid out their website in order to make ours that much better. You know, that's all we're doing is mimicking. Um, and I think that is really a way for entrepreneurs to expedite their success is look at someone that's already done it because we have those tools now and maybe do exactly what they did. Don't expect the same results, but allow your results to be unique to what the work you've done. And anything outside and above that, um, rely on your board of directors, your mentors, you know, those people who help you through hard decisions. I have five people in my life that I don't really hang out with on a regular basis, but when it comes to big life decisions, I lean on them because I, again, will never be the smartest person in the room, but I wanna surround myself with the smartest people. And I, I for the community I've built, have, I believe, latched onto those people and they help mentor guide me. They help line me up with revenue generating opportunities. You know, we all have each other's backs in that board of directors group. I don't know, you know, it's uh, it's constantly evolving though too. I can't sit here and say verbatim that in 10 years it's all gonna be the same. I mean, our market, we could have marketplaces within marketplaces. That's what the blockchain is creating, yeah. you know? And, and to think that far in advance is fun. Um, you know, you're essentially being risk averse by thinking forward. But yeah, when it comes to basic survival, you know, I, I always say you should be able to each should masturbate on your own terms, and if you're not being able to do that, then you need to change your business plan, which is you, you know? And a lot for a lot of people, it's internal, you know? Dive into that existential side of yourself and see what needs taken care of, you know? If it's like childhood drama that triggers something in you so that every time you see 100 bucks in your bank account, you're like, oh, you gotta spend it. Now it's like, okay, well, let's unpack that trauma. Let's see why you have that trigger, and then let's change. Like, it's not that hard. People get lost, lost stuff in it, and it's not. Well, and I think, like, on that same note, people who grow up where it's like, you know, uh, oh, $100 is too expensive mm. for something, that also can build a fear around money or, oh, yeah. like, a scarcity mindset that there is not an abundance mm -hmm. of of money when really it's like uh, we run out of money united states we're going to reprint it <laughs> well that's the, that's like most of the case day to day right but i think something that really separates um entrepreneurs uh in the space of anything really is how they define money um you know my dad helped me understand what money was when he said you know you look at money as you look at any other tool in your workshop you know you've got a bench full of socket wrenches, one of them is gonna do better work than the other. You know, $100 will have more impact than $1.
but it's only a tool. It's only a segue in order for you to get somewhere else or for something to change. And so when I began to look at my bank account and instead of seeing Jeff Squire, you know, two grand or, you know, negative 800, I would just see personal checking. I'd be like, oh, the business is hurting today. I got to get after it, you know, and the way we define our worth, I think really needs to change. Um, I am so full of ideas. I love, I'm, I'm high spirited, romantic, I'm goofy, I'm weird. And I have so many hobbies that I love doing from reading and writing and hiking. That's how I begin to define myself. When I ask someone, what are you all about? And they go, I work on Wall Street. I immediately move on to the next person. Because if you define yourself by what you do professionally, you're really only, I mean, you're limiting yourself to one aspect of your life. You know, I want to know everything about it. I want to know, you know, to go to park on Thursdays because you love, you know, the way that snow cone machine hits the senses or, you know, on Sundays I go to church. It's like, cool. But that's more, that, that defines you much more than your bank account or your job title. Um, I think if we can intermingle this whole work-life balance and just have it become one, people live happier. They're, they're constantly trying to build boundaries around what they do or who they are or when I'll be there. It's like, no, let's give ourselves a helipad. We don't have to be one thing to anybody. We can be a multitude of things to many people. You know, I have this mentality, I call it be the Swiss army knife. Literally be able to show up and if someone needs a <coughs> Phillips head <coughs> screwdriver, you're there. If someone needs a corkscrew for wine, you're there. You know, whatever they need, just have that value. Be ready. Like you as a creative, uh, if you show up on a set, you could do anything from a PA to a, you know, the strong hand. You could also jump behind the camera. You could also jump on the drone. You could do a multitude of things because you're that well-versed. And I think some entrepreneurs get in this idea of like, okay, I am an owner. I don't need any more skills that, than just to supervise. I, I, like, I get so angry when I hear that. Because if you don't have the ability to do what you're asking your people to, then essentially, you know, you're building up this level of hierarchy that says I'm better than you. People see it. I mean, when I was insecure, that's all I saw. I was like, oh, you're not willing to do the work. Like, da, da, da. It's like, well, as an owner, I don't have to, but here's why. And if you come through that, you know, kind of sense of gratitude that says, like, I'm also willing to do it, but I've gained this level of expertise that allows me to step away and allow you guys to make and create be vulnerable, do what you have to, um, that's, that's fun, that's business. And that's when you can redefine what your worth is because your worth to those people is more than money. They're not viewing you as a bank account anymore. So what is your thoughts then on, like what I try to do is I try to find people that have skills that I don't have mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to duplicate my skills. Yeah. I would rather somebody that is super good at something that I'm not good at. Yeah, you have lifelines. Yeah. I do too. Um, so, I think a Swiss Army knife uh, is going to have tethers, right? Like you're going to have a carabiner that attaches that Swiss Army knife to your pouch. You know, so if that carabiner is, if that's five carabiners, then those five carabiners are tools that you don't have the ability to host, but you have the vulnerability enough to say, this is a weakness, I need strength here. Yeah, I do it. I mean, I've got someone that's a uh, whiz in the financial world, and then I've got a real estate friend. I've got my friend that actually does like hard labor um, and does like a lot of he pushes snow, he cleans grass, but he's very pragmatic. One of my parents sits on my board, and then my brother sits on my board. And those five people, I mean, they elevate and engage me. All of them have skill sets that I lack, and 
every one of them smarter than me. Yeah, but I mean, when it comes to basic things, like if you're a craftsman or a, a service professional, and say like you're an optometrist and you want to scale your business and hire optometrists under you, the ones you hire are going to want to see you doing that nine to five just as hard as them because you have to until you hire enough doctors to where you can step away because you've built up the culture and values within your workplace that it's very replicable. You have to be the one putting in the effort because you cannot just continue to hire out because that's not what builds sustainability in a work culture. It's being there, it's being present, it's being willing to be vulnerable amongst your employees, but also being willing to outwork them. When Tesla was being pressured this last year to meet production numbers in order to make profit, you saw Elon Musk 120 hours in his third factory that he threw up in a tent in the parking lot of Tesla to show people that he was willing to make that goal. If you know, I'm painting an office and I'm like, I'm so tired of this and I'm complaining about payroll. And then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I'll just hire someone to do it. No, you're being a hypocrite and you are showing your workforce that you are more adept to spend money on problems than to actually solve them yourself. And that's all an entrepreneur is. We are problem solvers. We are the ones that are going to change the world. And I am not willing to ask somebody to do something I am not ready and willing to do on my own. Cool. cool that was a knowledge man <laughs> that was wisdom dude I spend a lot of time in my head man do uh, too much. do you have any like tools or apps or anything new that mm. yeah actually so something fun I'm gonna begin doing with the board of directors podcast I'm gonna do a tool time Tuesdays just like they did back in the day and I'm gonna feature really cool tech platforms and apps that actually bring um, you know, either communication opportunities to your team or organizational opportunities, or if it's like a sales funnel opportunity. Um, right now, some of my favorite tech products out there that are bringing really great communication to teams is Slack. Slack is huge. The ability to make groups, converse amongst those group tech projects, share gifts, photos, and files. Um, it's by no means uh, another profound original idea, but the team of what they've done over there have done a great job. Um, one I would encourage um, product, uh, those that sell products or services and have large consumer bases, I would recommend Trello. Trello is a CRM slash PM project management based software that is free and allows you to track the sales process from open to close, as well as track uh, you know, project updates and team conversation. You can tag people in it. Um, and then one, I just, I mean, if your company's not using it and you have more than two employees you're kind of losing, um, is Telegram. I mean, it's the quickest messaging app I've ever come across that actually uh, doesn't interfere with who your cell phone provider is, or if you're on iOS or Android, it doesn't matter. It's just simple SMS, um, and you can start groups as big as two or, or as big as like 200 or as small as two. Um, and then I think if anybody is like really trying to get off the ground with their entrepreneurial idea right now, um, I, I, I always tell people take two steps. Um, download Canva. Uh, it's a free graphic design tool. And if you want, you can pay 99 cents and get like a unique font or a unique image. What I do is I just create a really cheap logo. I'll take a screenshot and that'll be it till I can afford a real one. Um, and then the next one is buy a domain. 
the domain essentially is the equivalent to going to the Secretary of State and getting a business name. If we look at like drop shipping stores right now, we can equate those to like Town and Pump or a bodega in Brooklyn. These little pop-up shops that are essentially cash and carry where they go to a wholesaler and they're the aggregate from wholesaler to consumer, right? That's all a bodega or town pump is. That's all drop shipping stores are. We're aggregates for wholesalers to communities. Um, so that domain gives you business space in the interweb. It allows you to solidify quick foundation and allows the maturation process to be expedited because the internet gives everybody no age. So we can all be as old into business as we want. Um, so yeah, Canva, Domain, once you've owned those two, uh, you can begin sourcing Facebook, Instagram, reaching out to communities because you've now given yourself a brand people can identify you by and a place at which they can find you. And once you've done those two items, um, I think, yeah, any entrepreneur can really take shape. And then, I mean, if you're not YouTubing and blogging at least daily, I mean, I do dumb videos. I did one of my chair today because I couldn't move. Um, <laughs> and that is free SEO. I don't, I think people get wrapped up that SEO has to be like this grand gesture of hiring an agency and creating all this cool content and shit. It's like, no. Let's start with creating content. Yeah, yeah, create the content. And the SEO comes. Like, you know, Google list is... It's you, to be on that first page is a beautiful thing, but unfortunately, when you're in saturated markets and you have a product or service that is among them, you have to really play the game. And so, I'd be blogging every day, uh, updating my web page. I'd be getting backlinks from companies that are already affirmed through Google. Um, I would be talking to people that are willing to mention my brand, and I think the ones, the entrepreneurs that separate themselves, are the ones that are willing to do the free work for free. You know, go in the Facebook groups, jump into Instagram, use those commerce channels that are at your fingertips and really put them to play. You know, who cares what it looks like right now? It's going to evolve. You know, the first iPhone did not look like this. Right. You know, when we got version seven, eight, nine, ten, you're like, oh my God, this thing is real. But when you look at my podcast, the second one is terrible. It's so bad because the audio, um, it like heightens in the beginning, dulls down in the middle, and then heightens back up. And if I'm a listener, I'm going to be pissed off. So I'm like, ah, you're blasting in my ear now, man. And now I'm like, okay, I'm not that great at that. I need to hire a producer. You know, it's like, find it, version one, version two. What does that look like? Three, four, five. Right. You know, and we are just evolving iPhones. If, if someone had to get all super heady and look at human race right now, we're all just iPhones. You know, the fact that we're stuck on a screen right now scares the shit out of me because we're going to have huge eyes and thumbs in no time. You look at generational evolution and we just, um, I mean, it's what, it's what happens. We have to live with it. But I encourage anybody who wants to get into become an entrepreneur, be pragmatic, take your steps, eat shit, masturbate on your own terms, download Canva, get a URL and affirm to the universe what you're doing because... If it's something you need to do, it will naturally attract what you need. If it's not, no shame, no fail, no guilt, move on, try something new. We're just, businessmen are nothing but scientists in suits. That's all. Cool. That was a cool quote to end on, dude. That's some Gary Vee shit right there, dude. Mm. Gazelles, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. What a fun chat that was with Jessup and Bliss Experience. I feel like we learned a lot in the creative space, some ways to bootstrap or not bootstrap and some fun technologies. 
that can help you ramp up your business right away. Tune in next week, guys. I'm going to be jumping on a podcast with an early stage funder. And what are some of the big red flags he looks when investing? Also, uh, feel free and rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, guys. It's the only way I grow. It's the only way I can continue to bring the value and the content to you guys. Uh, Anyways, guys, go get it, gazelles, and have a great week.